Welcome to a new episode of Transitions, a podcast by Bostique. Waste treatment, bio-based materials, carbon footprints. With the need to transition to a more sustainable world, new needs and trends are constantly emerging. Some of them could have a direct impact on Bostique. In today's episode, we're interested in how hygiene products are becoming both safer and more sustainable, and are delighted to welcome Susie Houston, founder of NatraCare. Susie launched NatraCare in 1989 after learning about the damaging impacts of dioxin and plastic pollution on the planet and the human body, and created the world's first natural period products. Her goal is to protect both women's health and the environment, and she's here to tell us exactly how she's doing it. Hi Susie, thank you so much for agreeing to participate in the episode. You're welcome, thank you very much. Could you please start off by introducing yourself? Uh, my name's Susie Hewson, um, as I'm the founder and developer of NatureCare Feminine Hygiene Products. I'm based here in Bristol, and when I started to look at development, I was not a product developer, nor in business. I was a campaigner looking for changes in the feminine hygiene industry. Um, so out of, out of passion for the environment, I decided to create a brand that would challenge the status quo that was pretty fixed in its attitude towards raw materials. Can you tell us why you decided to launch NatraCare? The turning point came in my bathroom about 1am, having um, watched a program that was um, about dioxin pollution in the environment created by the pulping industry. It was a program that looked in, in detail at the kinds of products that were impacted by this. So that included feminine hygiene, baby diapers, coffee filters, incontinence products. And the general attitude in the industry was one that there was nothing for women to worry about. Everything was under control, whereas the science was saying exactly the opposite. And I'm also mindful that I'm also an environmentalist. I've worked with environmental organizations and I knew that the science was correct. And so I just got angry and, and that turning point came when I decided the only way forward was to continue to campaign and to challenge industry by putting my own product in the market. And what you should also realize that that was before the internet or faxes. So it was quite challenging. I can imagine. And how has the feminine hygiene market changed in the past few years? Do you see a growing request for more sustainable products? The market has changed in the past few years in respect that after climate change protests, people are looking at what the impact of lifestyle products has on people's lives and the future sourcing of materials. So I would say that aligned with the, the climate action activity, interest in transparency of where products are made, what they're made from, where they're from, human rights, everything has been focused. So definitely the change is across all products and particularly in feminine hygiene where women's rights um, activists also in the environmental movement, particularly in the US and, and to much, much further back even in France, uh, in Germany, it, it has changed at a pace in the last five years but it's always been there in the background, but with the inability to take any action to bring about change. Now, can you tell us a bit more about NatraCare's hygiene products and about your eco-design process? When I wrote my design plan back in 1989, um, and that still stands today, the objectives were for as much as possible for, to source totally crawling-free pulp, 
and there are there are sources for totally chlorine pulp um, and to, to uh, move to organic cotton for our cover and to do, address the plastic pollution which is the the PE layer that's in most feminine hygiene products and in diaper products and it, it's across the industry they're just either smaller or larger I've always found in product development sustainable product development the industry of suppliers is too many years behind the ideas for change too many years behind consumer demands raw material suppliers are always at least 10 years behind what I'm looking for so beyond consumer trends how do you see our environment evolving including regulatory environment I'm looking at um, a circular economy I mean the U- European Union with their green new deal are looking at with their sustainable products initiative um, which is now in regulation, are going to be introducing digital product passports. And um, I, I, I rub my hands together in glee and say, oh, thank goodness, <laughs> we, have, we have some disclosure here. In particular, can you tell us about the impact of using bio-based materials in terms of both health and end of life? Uh, my perception of health is one that is environment and personal health together. You can't separate one out from the other if you're putting something into the environment that's going to have a negative impact, ultimately our health is going to be impacted. End of life, for, for me and my, my agenda as much as possible is for something to be uh, compostable. Um, and uh, currently the EN13432 looks for 90%, over 90% to achieve that. And with the current product that we have, the current adhesives that we're using, which are conventional adhesives, we are achieving that, but only because we had to reduce the amount of adhesive on the product um, to the point where it did not impact on the performance of the product. The recycling aspect is never going to be an issue for personal care products. It can't be. You can't. You, it's very difficult to recycle. So uh, we have to be looking at um, end of life as composting. So it is something that can be. It can be achieved, and the adhesives changing to the adhesive will make it a lot easier. Um, but in addition to that, we also have USDA bio-based. Um, and the higher up the bio-based content you get, obviously, you are better for the environment. So bio-based adhesives and compostable adhesives both have a place in challenging the environmental impacts and end of life. I see. And do you see bio-based materials as the most prominent trend in the hygiene industry today? Or are there any others? You have to drive the industry and make sure that consumers see that you can go forward and you can produce functional products that deliver quality and also deliver on their expectations for protection of the environment. Um, So I think the bio-based trend is accelerating. Um, there's still confusion in it because I've seen um, through my work that I did with Greenpeace Labs that there are plant-based biomaterials that consumers are buying, um, especially on the semi-rigid, uh, on the on the promise that, okay, they're plant-based, therefore they must be better for the environment. But they are exactly the same as petroleum-derived plastics. They act in the same way in the environment. So there's a lot of confusion. So I feel that in the rush to get to bio-based, just like it did with the difference between degradable and biodegradable, the two things are being conflated as being exactly the same. So there has to be transparency 
Um, and, and I think eventually it will be the way forward. It's, a, it's like, um, I guess, I mean, I, my tampons were certified organic um, when people really didn't understand even what organic food was, you know, in the, in the 1995. Um, so consumer knowledge kind of takes a while, but then it gallops. It's very hard to go back on that. And we're, I think we're getting close to that kind of critical mass of thinking, especially amongst young women. And what's the biggest challenge that you face? The biggest challenge is, um, is really the adhesive. The objective, really, the, the, the one wall facing me now that has faced me for 32 years is an adhesive that is not going to release toxins into the environment, is readily compostable. If, if That would be my, my, my hiatus. If I win the gold medal, um, it would be compostable. The conventional products that are not conforming to the sustainable products regulation should be taxed so that you know good design good solutions good eco design is not impeded by the costs of raw material development that have to be passed on to the consumer you know so there is that that really is not just reaching that best product but not being penalized for making all those ecological and moral decisions to get there by cost what would you say Bostik could learn from Naturacare's eco-design approach? I would say to Bostik, don't be the last to the one, don't be the last to the table, but be, you know, be competitive, be, be a product that can be used efficiently and quickly and in the markets, because I think that sustainability comes at you from all sorts of directions. Is it sustainable in its sourcing? Is it sustainable in its in its market? Is it sustainable in its financial? Um, it, you know, it may be the best thing you can produce, but it, it can't sustain the econ economic pressures. Um, so I, I think you have to look at it in the round because um, it's not just about producing a great formula. It has to be, where does it come from? Because with this digital product passport, everybody in the supply chain is going to have to be totally transparent in every aspect of the raw material that's going into the end product. That includes you and me, um, because unless that happens, um, the objectives of a, you know, a greener economy of reducing greenhouse gases and pollution and waste is never going to be achieved. So companies need to cooperate with each other? Uh, transparent cooperation. I think cooperation more than anything. Cooperation. I think our goals should be like your goals too, because we're defining where the where the market in our category is going, um, and and you should be looking to where your development can go that is relevant for for what is now the present and the future. We're nearly at the end of this episode, but before we go, could you tell us if we had to take away one thing from this interview, what should it be? I, I think industry has a great place to play in in the development of humankind. We've seen that with, you know, we had the industrial revolution, which has put us where we are now in good ways and bad ways. Now we're in the green revolution because that's the only solution we have to deal with climate change. We need to challenge design schools to think outside of their curricular boxes and create something new and innovative. It might seem like a silly idea today, but I can guarantee that working it through in three years' time, it's going to be a solution. 
and you have to be given space to make that those silly design discoveries, if you like, not just think, oh, well, we're wasting time, we're wasting money, we're wasting resources, resources by doing this, because I can guarantee that somewhere in, in Bostick, there are groups of individuals who are already thinking along these lines, just may not have a route to correspondence to where those ideas need to come to fruition. So there you have it. This season of Transitions has come to an end. Thank you so much for listening. Susie, thank you for stopping by and telling us about eco-designing hygiene products. We hope that NatraCare carries on growing and doing good in the world. Thank you very much. To those of you listening, thank you for joining us. Goodbye. <laughs>